My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. We were talking in the low 400s as a purchase price. So that was pretty good. And uh, we thought if, we, if, it was a, if it was, as they said, like a 15, 20 grand rental, it was going to be worth in the high fours. So it was a nice little bit of fat in there in that deal. Didn't really turn out that way, <laughs> to put it plainly. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Sam Gordon, owner and director of Australian Property Scout. He walks us through a beachside property in an unusual market where the renovation didn't go quite the way it was advertised. Despite a variety of hindrances disguised as helping hands, he reveals how he gained $200,000 in equity sooner than everybody expected. Gordon is used to picking up deals left, right and center and it's usually a straightforward process. This time was different. Just steps from the beach and at a bargain price, it was an irresistible property he just had to add to his portfolio. However, getting it in there was a bit of a struggle. It was a funny one, mate, because there was this particular area that I was kind of looking at and, and we were actively investing in. Um, and yeah, this this deal popped up and it was it ticked a lot of boxes, mate. It was like an 850 square meter block. It was 300 meters to the beach. Like it was in this perfect little spot. Um, but these people really needed to get out of it quite quickly. The the downside, well, not the downside, but the, the one caveat on obviously it being such a good deal was it needed quite a big reno. Um, there was a few different things kind of going on with the property at the time. What kind of things happened there? Internally, the house actually was in pretty good nick. It, was, it wasn't too bad at all. It was kind of externally, there was a few things. The roof was in a bit of disrepair. Um, there was an extension that had been out the back, uh, put on out the back that was, that was legal, that had been approved, um, but it just had never been like fully finished off and it was a bit like, how are you going? It was, it was, it was quite average um, in terms of that and there was water intrusion and stuff there. So they'd had it like legally um, put through council, but then had just built it very poorly. Um, so it was just all these sort of things with it in that regard that we're looking at going, okay, well, you know, how do we, how do we kind of work around this and actually get this to being, to, to becoming like a maximized usable space um, on this, on this place. And how old was this place that you, you found like in terms of, you know, age? Cause it sounds like, you know, it's been around for a while. Well, the actual house was an eighties build, um, but the extension was built in the two thousands. Oh, so it was not too long ago. Too yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. And the situation behind the vendors, why did they need to urgently sell? The husband had passed away. Um, so it was, it was a very elderly couple and the husband had passed away and the wife uh, was going into the um, the nursing home. So the, the children were trying to sell it for her. Um, and the agent that um, 
she was still living in the house at the time, but so it was quite hard. They, they didn't want to take it to market and have all these inspections and everything as well. Um, so we were, we were over there at the time. Um, and yeah, we kind of, they allowed us to go through cause it was essentially like a pocket listing, a silent listing, um, to go through and inspect this property and see the other big thing as well was a lot of people that were potentially local home buyers or first home buyers were looking at it going, this thing's a lot of work. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of work involved with this thing. Um, but yeah, like, like the last story, we knew how we could kind of get around it. Um, from what we'd been told so it was a matter of getting out there and getting through it um yeah and kind of getting some pricing back on everything as well amazing so i'm curious like how did you find this particular area especially being only 300 meters from the beach that is an absolute steal you know a lot of times when you're actually buying properties most of them are usually in the suburbs and you'd have to pay a huge premium towards the water especially you know something like this so tell us a little bit about you know how did you find this particular one so I bought this one right at the start of, of 2022 so it was around about 12 months ago from from where we are now um Mate, it was pretty much, we had the connections. We were already in this area actively investing for clients, um, purchasing for clients as well. Um, so we're already very, yeah, obviously very active in the area, had, had good connections. And um, we pretty much just got the call while we're over there inspecting these other deals um, and just said, do, do you want to come, you know, go through and have a look at this place? This is, this is kind of what's going on, what the situation is, um, which is obviously perfectly up our alley. Um, they downplayed the reno a bit uh, in terms of what, what they thought was going to needing to be done on it. So they were kind of talking, oh, maybe 15, 20 grand reno. Uh, and I was like, all right, perfect. That's good for a client, um, especially with the money that we we're talking about on the deal as well. In, in the actual, you know, assessing the deal as to what we th- thought it was um, in current Nick, we probably thought it was going to be worth around about Current Nick was probably around about 450. Um, we were talking in the low 400s as a purchase price, so that was pretty good. And uh, we thought if we if it was if it was as they said like a 15, 20 grand rental, it was going to be worth in the high fours. So it was a nice little bit of fat in there in that deal. Didn't really turn out that way, <laughs> to put it plainly. Well, I like that because it's an opportunity for you, you know. So. So you did the building pest inspection report, and what happened after that? Yeah. So we pretty much we went through. We 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 took the uh, we took the inspector with us, um, and it took a couple of the. There's there's a builder and a handyman that I work with over in this area specifically that I kind of I get them using them in conjunction with different deals. Um, and man, we went through and we found there was there was an extension out the back. So it was a four by one house, um, and there was this extension out the back that had kind of been. It had been legally put through and everything I was saying, legally legally put through council and everything, but it was never fully finished. Um, and this was the the part that was, you know, built circa 15, 20 years ago. Um, I think the old boy had a crack. He'd had it all externally built um, and then he was going to do the fit out and he'd just done like a really bodgy job, you know, he hadn't done it properly. What so, were some of the things in there that he didn't do that was supposed to be have done inside? So the waterproofing was illegally oh. done, like waterproofing was no good. That's a huge problem, man. <laughs> it was huge, man. He tried to build in this little like kitchenette thing, like next to the shower, next to the, so he had this, he built this little bathroom ensuite sort of thing um, in this extension. And then on the wall next to it, he had this kind of kitchen that was built in there. And there was this other room that was like a living it was it was just a weird setup man and i think they had built it or they were going to build it so then their kids when they came over they had their own little kind of like you know studio sort of thing that they could stay in um but he just never completed it never finished it and if anything what he had done was actually more of a kind of a hindrance to the property than, than a help um so we kind of went through and priced it up and looked at it and go, and i made the decision of of looking at it as the best way to actually maximize this deal is going to be to convert that into like gut the bathroom rebuild the bathroom rip out the kitchen, this this half-ass joke of a kitchen that was in there and just convert it into into an additional bathroom and two bedrooms. That was going to be the, the best way to kind of do it um, and kind of rebuild it on that way. So we had to kind of build in, um, there was this one uh, wall and kind of door up the, you know, these two new bedrooms and whatnot as well, plus rebuild the, um, 
rebuild the uh obviously the the bathroom in there as well yeah so literally it was a gutter you had to gut the whole internals and just basically start from scratch yeah. is that what you said to the agent and to them yeah well that's what we pretty much went through and we're like like what what are you guys like doing with this room like what's and they go well uh, this is not, you know not complete we thought maybe you just rip it out and stuff as a rumpus and like if you'd done that the values of what i'd valued it at probably would have been where it was at um but it's just yeah there was the waterproofing was the one and the roof connection everything it just there was just a lot that was just kind of a bit off with it and it was just it was adding up in terms of to rectify that room properly it was it was getting into 20 grand just for that by itself um so when you add that on and 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 the existing house's roof had some issues and there were some things internally um that would needed to be done on the existing house the renos were quoting it off i was starting to scratch my head going shit this isn't gonna work uh, because it was getting closer and closer kind of towards around about a 50 to 60 grand reno yeah it was getting big but then when I was working out and I started looking at some comps after we'd gone through the house because we'd never looked at six by two houses before because obviously like a six by two house is not really something you normally invest in because it's such like a big owner-occupied sort of style home. Yeah, and it's not something we would normally kind of really tackle or, or kind of go into um, unless there was great value there. So I kind of started working it out from there, um, <clears throat> running the numbers backwards on it and everything. And, and I kind of worked out that if you could do it at that sort of money and pick it up a little bit cheaper, there was still some pretty good equity to be made on the way into that deal. So that's the way essentially we, we, uh, we got into it. So did you actually manage to find any six by two kind of houses around the area and what kind of rental did you? So they kind of range, like you kind of went into a very different bracket when you went into that. Obviously, Beachside Suburb at that as well. That's a big house. Um, six by twos though, or even... Even five by twos were generally two stories. So to have a single level one was a little bit of a, a different, a little bit different. Maybe not for the positive, but it was still a huge house. Um, and your comps were kind of ranging between about five fifty at your bottom end up to around about six fifty to seven hundred. But your six fifty to seven hundred was was very nicely completed. Um, you know, two story homes, so not comparables. You know, not that sort of product. So we're kind of thinking probably around those mid to potentially high fives if we finished it well would be around about where it would come in at. So in terms of the other sides of that, so common with around there would be three by three by two yeah. or four by two. Yeah. What kind of rentals were you getting? Were they getting for their rent? for three by twos and four by twos? You're kind of sitting around about your mid fours at the time for that sort of stuff, mid to high fours, maybe clipping a five hundred for something like that. So it's not that much difference for an extra, say, fifty or sixty dollars a week, you know, just for that. Sorry, that was the purchase price I was talking. Sorry, the, the actual sale value in terms of valuations. I was talking like five fifty mid around those mid fives in terms of the val. In terms of the rents for the six yeah. by twos. That's where it kind of goes to a bit of a different level because that's where like you can kind of get the extended families into those sort of style properties. Sorry, I've misheard the question. And so you kind of start pushing more in towards your, your mid to high fives, maybe even clip a 600 on a, on a, on a deal like that. Um, because yeah, you can put in almost like the extended families, the same way that you guys thought it was going to be for their, for their family. Um, that's what you can kind of lease it to and have it like that as well. So it, it, yeah, it worked well from that regard as well. Coming up after the break, he reveals what he needed to wrestle with. So it's either like passing on the deal or doing it at that money and the gobsmacking valuation it received recently thanks to a change in the market. But I actually had it valid. I went through a big refi in my portfolio in January this year. He contemplates breaking his own personal investment rule. It's one of those ones like it'll be it'll be a shame to sell it because I, I do love it. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Sham and you're listening to Property Investory. interested in finding great deals like Sam Gordon does? If the answer is yes, then let Sam help you find them since he does this all day every day. 
When you work with Sam, he'll include a strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. Simply text 0499881040 and quote APS. In terms of rental potential, this property was about $100 a week in front. This plus its valuation uplift made it worthwhile for him to do the renovations. The valuation uplift was around about a hundred grand as well in terms of difference between the because it was a four by one. You got to remember, like you, you kind of you either need to gut it and leave it as a as a four by one with this big rumpus, or you you go through the process of adding the second bathroom and the two bedrooms. So you turn it from a four by one into a six by two. So like yeah, the the difference of that that's where like kind of that extra hundred grand sort of uplift would have been coming through on that. So overall, when you actually got in there, how much have you did you actually spend on the Renault then? It was just over 50. So yeah, we're thinking 50 to 60 and it came in 51, 52 with like a couple of final things that we finished off on it. Uh, But we actually negotiated down to the 400. So when these other things came in, and when I realized what we could have got it as, I was trying to go lower, I was trying to get it into the, into the high threes um, to really push it. But when I realized what we could do, they kind of needed 400 for this lady to be able to go into the home. So it was either like passing on the deal or doing it at that money. And, and essentially, if you round it up to, you, you call it the 450, right? You call it the 450. Vowels and those things, quite honestly, quite easily would have been around the 550 mark. So it was a very good return on it at that money. Um, but it was a little bit of an unknown um, when we did the deal because of the roof. So the roof could have blown it out quite easily to like that 60K or even a little bit over. Um, so it was good to have, you know, kind of come in under budget on that as well, which was which was good. Did you re tile the roof or did you just just clean it and fix it up we pretty much we did like a full clear like full clean found everywhere that was like your leaking points and your junctions that were were all your there was a lot of flashing that was damaging it and flashing that either wasn't there or wasn't done properly um because it was leaking into the into the granny on that side or this this extension on that side as well so we kind of just rectified all that so it did come in like it was an expensive repair to a roof um but even still it was probably half the price of re-roofing it so it still came in well you know well within budget because I'm like thinking 50k is a reasonable renovation size, especially, you know, having to manage the builders or pay the builders as well and also making all the materials and all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, because I'm so used to larger numbers in the developments I've been looking at and stuff like that, costs have gone up so much. So, renos like that nowadays, they still exist at a reasonably, you know, rate, I guess, because it's still quite cheap. I mean, when I did my reno for one of my commercial properties, I spent close to about 90k to add two bedrooms on. And, you know, I had a good builder as well and stuff like that. But, you know, the cost of it does add up. Yeah. I think it depends where you are. And again, like we spoke about in the last episode was like the team you've got in that location as well. That's a big thing. And if, if, it, if it makes sense to do the deal, then you do it. Um, but yeah, man, we still do. We definitely still do deals like that. And they, and they come out, they still come out, yeah, really, really favorably in front as well. It's kind of trying to utilize those additional spaces as well. Um, so I'm always one to look for like, you know, we've got this property coming through. It's a three by one. Well, how do we convert it into a four by one or potentially a four by two? Um, you know, where can you add that extra bedroom or the extra may potentially ensuite to add that extra value if it stacks up? And if it stacks up, it can be a great way, you know, you might make 20, 25 grand on the way into a deal. You might put 15 into it and add another 15 on top. So you're actually making like 40, 40 grand on the way, you know, on a deal, just putting that that bit extra into a reno. Um, and it can be a great way to have that little equity uplift and get your little win in front. Because again, that allows you to pull your equity out quicker and roll into more deals. So let's just talk a little bit about how this deal has panned out. You purchased it um, back in what, early 2022, I think you mentioned. Yeah. Um, the the situation was that the, I guess you can say the older elderly person had to go into a nursing home. Yep. So you basically made the situation work for everyone, put 50K, 50, a little bit over 50K into the Renault. Yep. So what, what has been the actual end result for this? What kind of 
I guess, um, value did you get on that? Yeah. What kind of re- rental return? What's yeah. the story afterwards? The Val, um, the Val actually came in a little under what I was expecting um, when we when we got it valed up post completion. I think I was just a general nature of value as being conservative sort of people. So Val on that came up came out post reno at five thirty, I think it was from memory, because this is again this is probably eight nine months ago, circa around that. But I actually had it valed. I went through a big refi in my portfolio in January this year, and. Um, and uh, it actually came in at 600 on the dot as a vowel because the market's done exceptionally well. In the- yeah, that's exceptional. That's huge increase in, yeah. in 12 months. Yeah, I know. It's a funny thing, mate. Like most of the market's been in decline, but you, you get these areas and you pick these areas correctly and you still get a great run like that. So um, yeah, man, it's, 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 uh, it's been awesome. And I love that one as well. It was one of the... It, We've only ever bought, I think, once or twice before closer to the beach than what that property was. And I just looked at it when I was running through the numbers. I was looking at the block size and size of the house and the proximity of the, the water and, and the size of the reno. And I was just like, I like this one. I think, I think this one makes sense. So, uh, so yeah. And obviously, the size of the reno w- was one of those things that I, I would tackle myself. Yeah. Well, obviously, you didn't have to because you had a team over That's there. Because, you know, <laughs> gone are those days where you're actually hands-on, right? Yeah. I miss them. I miss them occasionally. You're getting on the tools and going knocking out a reno. But, uh, but yeah, there's pros and cons of both sides of it. I remember the story about the toilet. I don't think you'll be doing that <laughs> on again. That one has been etched into my mind. I'm going, you will never, ever, ever do it again. Never. I will never replace a toilet again, mate. It's a good memory. <laughs> I'd forgotten it. <laughs> I thought you would have learned from that lesson. <laughs> oh, trust me, if ever came around to do it again, but I, I'd half erased it from my memory. <laughs> I understand. I can totally understand. Wow, that, that's amazing. So you've pretty much done that one. And obviously with that uplift, it's a substantial increase. Um, I'm assuming you're going to hold on to that property until a certain time unless you know you need to. Mate, it's one of those ones like it'll be it'll be a shame to sell it because I, I do love it. Um, proximity and, and, and completed product and everything now as well. But I do look at my entire portfolio as a business. Um, when that market is peaking out um, and have and has finished its growth run or it's nearing the, the peak of its growth run, um, I will definitely will take it back to market. As much as I love it and I love the location and everything, it's in there to serve a purpose. Um, and so once that purpose is, is reached, um, I don't really have a, a huge need of holding it beyond that except for essentially like ego, right? So that doesn't come into play with me with my portfolio. So it'll be going at some point. Um, but yeah, man, it's a, it's a property I, I love to have in there. What, what I'm just interested to know, like say if you held on to it, say 10 years down the track, being a beachfront property and we know how beachfront properties have increased so much across the eastern border, yeah. you know, western border, we're still seeing that eventually happen but we don't know when. Why wouldn't you hold on to something like that, especially being so close to the water? It really depends, I guess, on the portfolio. So I wouldn't, mate, it's, a, it's actually a great point because um, I guess I really would weigh it up against, again, my LVR is very, very low. So if I went through and sold off a huge amount of my bread and butters and I was down to a 30, sub 30% LVR in my portfolio, I potentially wouldn't sell it off. Um, I actually have, have kind of muted the idea of keeping it potentially as like a long-term Airbnb or holiday rental and maybe, but it's, I dissuade people from that decision as well. So I, I feel a bit bad saying that I would do it myself. But uh, mate, it, it is, yeah, it's a great question. It's one of those ones I probably would potentially look at. But again, it would come down to the portfolio. Um, it always comes down to business decisions with this stuff and, and the way it works. Um, but if if it made sense from an Airbnb perspective, potentially long-term and keeping it on that end, then it might be because it's houses that big, you can rent for a lot of money. Easily, like I know for, for beachfront houses, you can rent them $2,000 a night, you know, yeah. and have beautiful families and you know done really well by the water etc this area at this point in time it isn't the sort of place you go to holiday um so it's, it's okay but it's more of like a working class sort of area it's still good um but it's not somewhere where you and i would, would fly over an airbnb to at this point but man saying that like you know 10 years ago man people were even like 
Wollongong wasn't seen as overly desirable. I'm a Wollongong boy, right? Like it wasn't seen as overly desirable 10 years ago. These days, everyone loves it. You know, median house price is probably not that far off two mil in most areas. Um, and people love Airbnb down in that sort of area. So, you know, exactly as you say, mate, in five or 10 years, um, that demographic and that that actual, uh, you know, view on that area could really change. So that's one of those rare ones that maybe I would hang on to and, uh, and look at from that side. <laughs> as you said, it depends on how the market changes, especially if you're saying it's a working class, there's possible gentrification yes. over a period of time. And especially when homeowners actually see the bay and being so close and only 600,000, so affordable. Yeah. I mean, like, and renovated. I mean, like, come on. I'd be like, I'd buy that any day. You know, you can't even get a waterfront property nowadays for anything under like two or three mil here. Very true, man. But it's always, it's always relative to like what's on in an area as well. And there's a thing too. It's in an area that hadn't, you know, I bought it early 2022. The market started to run late 2021. So I bought it very early in the cycle when the market was very down. So I bought it for really good, really good money. Um, so like when that market peaks out, it could hit a mil, you know, a million bucks, um, and that's where we, again you look at it and you're like, "What could I put that five, six hundred thousand into?" You know, it's weighing all these different things up. But now nah, I think, mate, I'm, I'm on with you as well. It could be one of those ones that stays in there as a bit of a jewel. So <laughs> we'll see. You obviously will have all your your foundational properties in there, and if you if you have those ones, it could be one of them. So no, I was just curious, just to know, you know, because I think there's opportunity, but. Yeah, as you said, everything's a business decision and if you can actually recycle that, um, I guess, profit and reuse it and split it out to compounding other properties, why not? Yeah. Exactly what you've done with the most recent ones as well. 100% man, makes complete sense. Well, Sam, it's been a pleasure to have you talk about this particular story. It's been amazing. Now, I wanted to share with the listeners that you also have your own podcast and um, yeah, it's, you know, I'm really keen to, to let the listeners know as well too. So, maybe just share with the audience you know, what, what your podcast is about and, and I guess why did you start it up as well? Thanks, Tyrone. No, I appreciate that, mate. Uh, and again, man, I appreciate you bringing up as, as well. Look, the, the podcast is Scouting Australia podcast, right? So, it's it's very similar in terms of what we, what we do and it's, I wanted to have something that was a bit relatable i guess a little bit different i've always loved and we've spoken about this offline Matt, i love your podcast because it's so different from everyone else and what they do um you know the way you do the stories and it's just it's an extremely different podcast to everyone else i listen to a lot of property podcasts and i'm um, there's some that i like but i'm not a fan of like majority the vast majority of them so it's kind of it's just more of a way of being more of a candid chat around property but delivering really good value on the way that I see the property market um, and the way that I invest. And so it's kind of more of a, it's a way to like regularly give content that's in line with my investing strategy. So again, it might not be for everyone. There's people that like to develop, there's people that like blue chip, there's people like different things that it may not align with. Um, But ultimately like I've done something, you know, quite substantial with my own portfolio i know how to invest um and i've done you know very well out of it so it's it's just i guess trying to pass on those lessons um uh, but do it in a fun way as well so i've got i do it with my mate um jimmy james he's in the business with me as well um you know i do I'd, probably every second one or more with him and i do a couple of the other stuff by myself as well um but he's a he's a, a massive part of it as well and so there's there's great banter we're always ripping each other apart and, and just you know what the way we are in the office like it's how we are on this potty so it's kind of it's having some fun having some laughs and uh, and delivering great content around in, in my opinion <laughs> anyway great content around around what we do so a lot from the episode, stay tuned for future episodes where Sam Gordon and I will continue to share with you more property stories from his own journey. 
Also, did you know when you work with Sam, he'll include a strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. Having a solid plan is the difference between success and failure. Simply visit australianpropertyscout.com.au and fill out the contact form or text 0499881040 and quote APS. Thanks for listening. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.